This episode of Ragcast Outdoors is brought to you by PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Fish on! Hey, Radcast is on! Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast Outdoors. Here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards. Well, hello and welcome, everybody. I'm David Merrill, and we're in the Bow Spider studio. Uh, you'll have to excuse Patrick Edwards. He's not with us today. We uh, sorely miss you, Patrick. He's uh, out and about enjoying the outdoors. So we'll get right into it, guys. Uh, I have Randy and Candy Yao here in the studio. Hello and welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. So uh, what brought you all the way to the studio today. Well, a guy named David Merrill. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we live in Oregon. Uh, I would apologize for that right now. And we, we won't hold it against you okay. too much. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> but been there my whole life, actually. So it was a great state at one time, but things are starting to slip a little, in my opinion. Right? We're all entitled <laughs> to opinions. Exactly. Exactly. But no, we um, drew the general elk tags here in Wyoming and we also had a couple of antelope tags that we had decided means we're going to be here anyway we'll put in for antelope got them burn our points and so we did the elk hunt and then we went and shot a couple of goats and had a great time well I got to take a sneak peek at, at, at an elk and a couple antelope and you got some fine representatives for this state oh we have fun so just love to get out there Absolutely. So if uh, listeners don't know, we've had Randy and Candy on before and talked about kind of what got you guys into the outdoors and what you're doing now. Let's, uh, let's get an update on what's, what's new. What's new? Um, not a whole lot new. I'm just, we're homeless people now. We've sold our house <laughs> and <laughs> going to be building this spring probably, but so. When lumber prices come down a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully. Other than that, no, still hunting and all we can, as much as we can. We got more hunts coming up in the, this fall. So, Well, I've seen a couple ladies' hunting camps went off this year. Absolutely, and they were fantastic this year. So we were totally full, and we're looking at maybe four more next year, including a kids' hunting camp. Perfect. So yeah. where are those being hosted at the moment, if people want to try and get in? Yeah, so currently we don't have it completely set, but we're looking at the second or third weekend in March in Wickenburg, Arizona, uh, just because we have no more time available in the summer. And then we will probably do a long-range um, advanced rifle camp somewhere in June. And then in July, we'll have a youth hunting camp for both boys and girls. Uh, some of the boys are feeling a little left out. And then we'll have our regular ladies hunting camp. And that's going to be in Fort Rock, Oregon. And the long range is going to be in Sheridan, Wyoming with the Weatherbees. That's correct. Awesome. Well, we, we're glad that Weatherbees here in Wyoming because they're, they're very welcome in our state. So. Yes. yes. And we're glad Great you guys people. are putting those camps together. And, and, you know, that's kind of the mission of this podcast is hunting and fishing and everything in between and getting right. families and youth and women and, and even just older guys in the outdoors. And so seeing other people that are trying to promote that mission is, is really neat to, you know, I've, I follow along a little bit on your guys' social as far as ladies hunting camp. And it seems that it's almost a cult following, you know, once those women come and, and join this brotherhood so to speak right they get welcomed into the fold it it's neat to see yeah it's pretty cool it, it empowers them i mean it's just cool for us to see the success stories or just the hunting stories even if it's not successful it's success to them because they've never done it so many of them have never even done it at all you know and others have but they all come together and they make great friendships that they can last for a lifetime and you, you know what it's like the first of September or even into August, some of the antelope hunts, and you can't, like that's when you want to get on social media to see everybody's success. And that's so cool because it empowers you to go out and try to get the biggest buck or the biggest bull or whatever. Just gets you motivated. What 
really gets me going is to watch those women who have never had success. And when they do, I mean, there was probably five or six ladies that have attended in the last two years that got their first animal this year. And to watch that is really cool. And I, I want to bring up, uh, I mean, that, that is that is awesome. But my, my thought while you were talking about that is, you know, Randy and I come from the outfitter world, right? And we've been in that and it's all about getting the big six point and, and one upmanship. And that, that's kind of the old guard a little bit, you know, a little bit newer hunters coming in. It's about the protein. It's about the meat. And that's not to say that in the old days we weren't about the meat, right? But I've noticed a trend of a guy pulls into a gas station and there's a spike in the back of his car or a doe or whatever it happens to be. And you, you hear people say, well, shouldn't you let that one grow a year? Or that one's got milk on lip. They're, they're trophy shaming. They're, they're, they're putting somebody down for harvesting yeah, that right. animal. It's not right because maybe you don't know that I mentored a kid and took him on his first hunt and he got his first animal. Exactly. And so now his first memory is I did something wrong. Now there is a tiny little bit of room for trophy shaming. If your neighbor every year is shooting a forked horn deer, you know, in the backyard, you could kind of say, Hey, if we let that deer mature a little bit, he's going to put on, you know, a, a couple 50 extra pounds. He's going to be better at adding to the gene pool. There's a whole bunch of positive things for doing that. And we won't get into that, but you know, if your neighbor's the, the guy that every year goes out and he's shooting a spike elk for 12 years in a row, it's like, Hey, let's, let's try and one up the level here. But whether it's a youth or a lady or a woman or even an old guy, his first hunt, you know, if you pull into the gas station and he's proud of it, don't, that's not the time or place to tell him something. <clears throat> Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. I, um, I've <clears throat> killed some great bulls and bucks and so on and so forth, but my funnest hunts is when I'm not trophy hunting. I just enjoy it so much better. Like I call in a bull and I shot this, this season just now. I just shot a nice five point and I was happy. Happy as a lark. It's like last year I trophy hunted and I had a great tag in Utah. Passed up tons of nice bulls and I never did fill my tag. I did. I had my opportunities, tons of opportunities. But I kept looking for that. I just was looking for that giant. And it was fun. But sometimes it, you get caught up in that, it's, you know, the score and the size and so on. To me, it's, um, I don't know. I just, sometimes it's fun to go buy an over-the-counter tag in some state and you don't expect to shoot nothing but a raghorn or a five-pointer or whatever and just go have a great time. And that's, I mean, that's unit specific and that gets down to having that knowledge and background. And like you said, you, you drew a limited entry Utah tag and went with an expectation. Exactly. If you had that same expectation on an over-counter Oregon tag, you're, you're going to be sorely disappointed every year. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so. even here in Wyoming, there you can go 100 miles one way to another with a different unit and you're going to go from, you know, 400 potential inch of bulls to... You know, if you see a branch antler bull, that's, that's your trophy. So, right, right. you know, and that's kind of why I started bow hunting is a, a, a doe or a cow is a trophy with a bow. Yeah, that's right. It's fun. Yep. But it's more fun because you, with that bow, you have to get to rifle distance where you're lethal with that rifle and then figure out how to get 10 times closer. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, you get into that two, 300 yards and from two, 300 yards to 20, 30 yards, a lot could go wrong and does. And does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're right here in the height of elk season. So tell us a little bit about your bull elk hunt that you just harvested. Well, we, um, it's like I said, general season tag and we pick a spot and start doing my homework and went up there. We, um, found a beautiful place to camp right near the creek. So we had tons of water and a beaver pond. It was so exciting. Yeah. Our Sometimes for me, the, the camp atmosphere can be exactly. almost even better than the actual hunt. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we, um, hunted a few days and I think it was day four. I called in a bull. Well, the first day we called in a bull that came in right, yeah. the candy. They're pretty close, but he ended up he was 75 yards, and I'm just not quite capable of shooting that far. <laughs> so I yeah, tried to that. seal we, the we, distance, and that didn't work so well. We've talked about that. Uh, <laughs> I actually, back in, you know, even now, guiding women can be much more rewarding because they they really don't want to, the ego's gone, right? And it's they don't want to push that envelope. If, if there's a, a huge bull standing at 82 yards, and they're capable at 50, they go, I'm not 
I'm not trying it. Right. And yeah, sometimes it's it's almost maddening, especially if you're guiding rifle hunting and here's this, you know, monster two hundred inch muley at, at at beyond their range and you're like, but 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 come on, you know. So yeah. but I, I kudos that, you know, we do need to be responsible and ethical in our in our distance and everybody's lethal range is different. That's right. Yep. Yeah, so we back up. And I put her on a wallow, found a real nice wallow there. It looked like it had been getting hit. So she decided to sit there, and I went off and ended up finding, beagling up on the ridge and ended up calling three of them down to me. And the biggest one, which was the five point, the others were just raghorns, but came right down there and got to 30 yards, and I just couldn't take it no more. So I shot him. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't take it no more. And then the crazy wife over here, she decides she's going to, you know, she's got to pack a quarter of an elk out. And she's, you know, not really designed to do that. You know, a lot of ladies are not. And she's not a, you know, anyway, she just overdid herself and ended up taking a face plant going down a steep hill. It was a couple miles out and hurt her back really bad. So she's been hobbling. So we (laughs) hobbled her back up there the next day and going to go get another load of meat. And I called a bull into her. At yeah, 20 at the yards mm-hmm. and be all because she's all bruised up and don't work. She can't get her bow back. He's at 20 yards and he finally catches her movement when she does whatever she does to get it back. I'll let you finish that one. Yeah. So, so he was at 20. So when I sat at the wall of the day that Randy shot his bull, I'd ranged every tree and had everything in my mind exactly if something came in um, because the adrenaline sometimes won't let you range. And so when I couldn't get my bow back, I have a torn rotator I never got operated on, you know, years ago. So if I tweak it, it's, I can't get it back. And we didn't take the crossbow, which is legal in Wyoming, because um, it's kind of a relic to carry around. But um, anyway, so when he saw the movement, he ran to the second tree, which I had ranged at 30, but it was actually 32, and he was at the brush pile behind that. And so I shot 30, and he, when we actually ranged it from where he was standing, it was 40. So I missed him, but, his you know. hair on yeah. his chest. And it was just a little <laughs> raghorn, but you know what? I would have been happy with that, especially in my predicament. So when I fell, I was going over a, a down tree and had a quarter of an elk on, and had the momentum going and caught that edge and just face planted and that meat hit me it was like oh <laughs> so, yeah. so she's still hobbling I am. bad and so we went antelope hunting after that and got a couple of decent antelope she even then she's having a hard time so i'm having like, a i gotta have to get her home maybe well, take her to a doctor i'm not sure a lesser person would have just called the trip and gone home. So oh no 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 for- no! I think the day after that I heard it, I think we put in seven miles, and I think the least well our antelope hunts haven't been that much because we're trying to find them, but we're still putting in three and four. I think our slowest day was a four mile hike. So we're, you know, but the hiking is good for you. It's the sitting in the bumpy trucks and the turning and twisting and loads. So I'll be fine. Well, what got you? You know, I. I know Randy's story, and we've we've hunted together before, and we touched us on this a little bit last time. But what got you into the outdoors? Oh my goodness! Well, I think just life in general. I grew up on huge ranches, and so I mean, basically, I cowboyed for a living most of my life. Um, but hunting season was huge. Like the two biggest times of the year were branding season when everybody came and helped your brand and it was kind of a big party and the next one was hunting season and until I started hunting my job was to get on my horse bareback because we didn't have saddles and ride miles and miles you know 20 30 miles a day to find the bucks and I thought it was a hoot and to run the poachers off you know the people because it was private ground to run them off and so that was my sister's nice job and and you just basically, that's what you lived on. You got one beef a year and whatever else you harvested. So like he was all about, that's what he did all the time. And I was like, cool, I can do that. And we've just had a blast. We've had so many adventures. It's not funny. It's, it's neat to see. And I mean, again, you guys just shot some really nice antelope and obviously had fun chasing elk. You got plenty of protein to, to take back home. Oh, yeah. And so th- this gets me to, I'm going to ask each one of you, what's your favorite recipe to cook 
in the from from something you've gone out and procured if you're going to cook for somebody coming over you know what what's something you really enjoy cooking and preparing and how do you cook it well that's pretty easy um i don't think it matters what animal whether it's elk deer antelope um we cut our steaks basically as you would a tri-tip so it's more of a roast we like them fairly rare and we season them with mountain seasoning high mountain seasonings seasonings. and um, my new trick is i am so in love with have you ever tried the hatch green chilies oh they're amazing so you just layer that on top too and Flip them once, cut them, and I mean, it is amazing. So that's my favorite. Now, I love cooking on the Traeger. In fact, now that we are homeless and just live in our trailer, that's the only way I cook because it's too hot to cook inside. And so everything's on the Traeger, and everything's with the seasonings and the chilies. I mean, I make cookies, pizza, whatever you want to say on the Traeger. And that's basically just... basically treat it like an oven, and exactly. it just goes down. I love it. It's all outside. You don't have to worry about the mess, and... So that's amazing, and I'm not sure what your favorite recipe is, but I if we have company coming, recipe. that's fine. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll we, yeah. Yeah, that's all right. You guys yeah. can share a favorite recipe. Well, she has, yeah. She does a lots of, she can take a bunch of nothing and chop it into a million pieces and make stir fries and different things. It's amazing is how good it is, but... Yeah, the Traeger, like I say, that's a, that's my go-to. That's a guy's thing, you know, so, but she's be taking out like Traeger over kind of. So I'm, I'm going to ask you both the same question. You can answer it individually is you've taken obviously a lot of varied people hunting, Randy. And what's a couple things that, you know, you've just some similarities as far as being successful in the field that you've seen that would help either other mentors or other people wanting to get into this sport, you know, just to be successful. Just I would say hunting com- in general. confidence. Yeah. Confidence is everything. If you don't have confidence in don't matter what you're hunting, fish, I don't care what it is. If you don't have confidence, you're probably not going to be successful. If you don't believe you can do it, probably won't. And I, I just see that, at the, you know, at the ladies camp stuff, I preach that to the girls. It's like, get confidence in your bow, get confidence in your rifle, get confidence in your muzzle. I don't care what and you're that shooting. comes with practice. It comes with practice. It comes with getting knowledge, but believe you can do it. Even if you have little knowledge and stuff, you're going to gain it. And you're going to go out there and you're going to make mistakes. But even if you make a mistake, brush it off and go again. For guys, it seems pretty easy. I mean, I know you do the same thing. You blow it on a bowl like, <laughs> let's do that again. I've been done it a million times. I kick my you know? butt yeah, every got, time. And away I go. So but one you, thing I do is I count the next 10 steps. And I'm saying this is my next 10 steps to my next bowl. I just have to, when I walk away, yeah, I'm here we go. counting 10. And then then I'm, I'm on to the next one. And it, it burns. I mean, you no, put all does. that work and time and energy and... So. Things go wrong with, you know, I think that especially for the ladies, I think it's a little harder for them to, in their mind, to just brush it off. I think, but so confidence is in whatever you're doing in all of your life, got to have confidence in what you're doing. Well, I mean, we, we don't learn if we're successful. That's all, all my biggest learning moments have been when I've been unsuccessful. Grew up, yeah. <laughs> Whether in business exactly. or life or as a parent or as an elk hunter, you know, I, yeah, it's nice to be successful, but the the teaching moments are when when that bull you know barks and runs the other way because you went the wrong way up a ridge when the wind was blowing the wrong way. When you knew you checked and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna I'll push the edge. It'll be yeah. all right. So how about you, Candy? What do you what have you seen coming into this that other people could benefit? You know, just some tips and tricks. So I think right now, um, and obviously with the ladies hunting camp, I'm working with a lot of people that don't know how to hunt, that are wanting to learn, that are... Didn't grow up on ranches, didn't grow up with horses. Exactly, Maybe not urban, but definitely not... Some of them are urban. Actually, our first camp, we had a lady who had, um, and she totally hated guns. She totally hated, she wouldn't eat meat. And she was a single mom with a seven-year-old boy, and his goal in life was to become a hunter. And so she came to ladies' hunting camp and learned to hunt, and it totally changed her life. She got a New Mexico bull and, I believe, a buck the first year and was able to take her little boy on the hunt with her. And, you know, it totally changed her life. And so I think education, um, you know, I I think education and the ability to have someone that inspires you and keeps you going out there and motivates you. Because it's not easy. We all know that. I mean, obviously, this trip 
kicked my hiney, but um, we had a ton of fun and we saw a lot of really cool stuff and you just got to keep them going. And, and I think that goes back to what I said about like, I'm not huge in social media because um, I'm kind of old and really suck at it, but I love watching success. I love watching it and inspiring them and saying, you know, I think I wrote this week, I think I wrote, you made my heart so happy probably 25 times and we didn't even have service. So those are people who have never had success before and, and now they have it. And now I think they can continue to go. That, that self-reliance piece is once you can, you know, and it, it is a little intimidating to go from how do I even procure meat to then preparing it, right? There's there's a couple steps in there that's like, you yeah, know. How to take care of it. I mean. But it's it's knowledge, <clears throat> it's experience. And, you know, okay, you cut your first deer up a little wrong. It's not ruined. No. You just exactly. you have smaller stakes. Exactly. <laughs> I, I had my my nine-year-old and we, we hunt grizzly country and he, he came up to camp just for an afternoon, dropped off some supplies. And he said, dad, I, I want to stay and hunt, hunt elk with you. Right. And I haven't really pushed him into hunting and this new generation they're they're really into video games and computers. And for him to be like, and I, I kind of, I felt bad cause I told him no. And I said, you kind of sprung it on me, buddy, that now he's going to come up and spend a night this weekend and we're going to tootle around on the four-wheeler and stay out of Grizz country. You know, I just, uh, it's got me thinking, you know, if he wants to go next year, we're just going to move camp away from Grizzly country yeah. so that he can just, he can go. And, you know, if people want to yell at me one way or the other, I, we've had four Grizzly encounters this year already. And I, I don't want to try and be responsible for a nine-year-old while trying to watch where the Grizzlies are. So. Yeah, that's why we, well, we hunted we hunted out of the grizzly country because Candy, last time we're, we were up here, she's just got tired of fighting with the grizzlies. So she's said, yeah. no more grizzly country for me. And so, and we can go for hours <laughs> on the ESA and the abuse and what's going on with grizzlies. And we, we have previous podcasts. So if you guys are interested in that, you can go listen to one of the previous ones. We won't get into that. But right. just, you know, the cliff notes is there is a night and day difference hunting elk country that has grizzlies versus hunting elk country that doesn't have Absolutely. grizzlies. Absolutely. Exactly. I will agree with that. I'll work harder. <laughs> but i mean even we've talked a little bit about antelope and mule deer and it's one thing that came to my mind is as a hunter i get to see the sun come up almost every day you know once in a while i take a a camp day and like to, to sleep in but you know getting to be in these high alpine meadows or by a lake or up on a ridge when the sun comes up and illuminates you know it just you don't get that playing a video game. You don't get that. You don't even get that at home, inner city or rural. If you're if you're playing at the park or changing irrigation, you just don't get that same awe-inspiring. It, it makes you feel small. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm, you know, I can think of a million different places I've been. It's like it's just so cool. You can't explain it until unless you've been there and seen it. You know, it's just hard to explain to people what they what's out there. I mean. Harkening all the way back to the first hunt you and I went on. I mean, we I got invited up to your guys's mule deer camp after meeting a bunch of the Lapine crew, and uh, we had a good hunt that year. We killed some awesome bucks, but we had a bunch of wives and kids in camp. I mean, I I don't remember how many people we had, but I think we killed twelve bucks, right, in a week long camp. Yeah, we have you know our deer camp is there in Oregon is family deal pretty much. In fact. We go, it opens October 2nd, so we're going to get home. We'll be home a week and then turn around, and she has a deer tag I didn't draw this year. Um, and then a bunch of the kids have tags. And so it's going to be kind of a mentor taking the kids Mentee, and the mentor. candy's going. And then I think her brother's got a tag. And another lady from Ladies Hunting Camp we're taking that drew the tag. So she's never killed anything. So we'll see how that goes. Those are the best hunts in my mind, to watch the kids or like this lady who's never harvested an animal, to watch them and be with them when that happens. Like we've got nine grandchildren and one great-grandchild now, and to watch that is really amazing. And that that harkens back to it's a heritage that we're passing on and passing down, right? And I know that's overused in this industry and and well played out, but it's... It's well played out for a reason, right? I That's mean, right. 
And yeah, Randy and I are kind of lucky that our dads kind of brought us up in this, right? But, you know, now we have the opportunity to, whether it's grandkids or neighbors or single friends. moms or friends, it's... Yeah, it's, I mean, we've, last couple of years, we've taken several people on different hunts, you know, yeah. um, like a friend of ours, Peggy, and she's had double hip replacement and she can't get around good, but she drew this incredible tag and in Utah, late season hunt, and I had them put in for it, and they she drew it by accident with virtually no points. Took her back. She shot a great. Oh, it's so I mean, almost killed her, but she's yeah, like, so cool. "What are we gonna do?" It's down in this hell hole, and like, "You're going." She goes, I can't get down there. She goes, "Oh well," I said, "I will pack you out." I mean, you're going down there. We're gonna get there, pictures. There's a bull. Yeah. You're going and down. She, so she did it, and she it was great. But she got a great bull, and we helped another friend. Harvest a great bull with his bow, and, and then mentored our grandson last year, and then and then Randy's youngest daughter Shasta hadn't been hunting in years because she's been mentoring all of her children for all these years, and she got down there right at daylight and shot a beautiful buck, and then fifteen minutes later her son got one, you know, that I mentored. So that stuff that means more to me than me harvesting an animal. It really does. Ed, there, there's that natural <laughs> progression with. With every hunter, and I've seen it, we can talk about either bear hunters or, or whatever that, you know, it's, it starts with, if we just use, we'll, we'll just use deer hunters as an example, right? It starts with, I just want to get a deer. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, then, then, and Patrick and I have talked about it. Fishers are the same way. Then it's, I want to get a lot of deer. Then I want to get a big deer. Mm-hmm. But you get on the backside of that where I just either want to see deer or take somebody and, and experience it through their eyes for the first time because once you've got the deer the first one and then once you've got lots of deer and then once you've got the big deer it's like no now i just want to go hunting. go go hunting and yeah. and watch the sunrise and yes i and and my uh, my trophy ladder or my trophy level status of hunting the barometer of that is the freezer level if the freezer is exactly. relatively <laughs> full yeah, i'm going to pass the, the the cow or the you know cuz like my archery elk tags any elk right exactly but if the freezer's empty, uh, <laughs> it's the meat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that meat is it, it. Really is you know primary number one. We'll be having dinner here in a little bit, and I'm sure high mountain seasoning will be involved in in one way or another. Perfect. I, I know I've had people kill some big bulls. I mean, I shot a 420 bull one time, and people go, "Well, how are you ever going to beat that?" I, said, I don't really care if I beat that, and I don't I don't even think about. It trying to shoot another how, one. How are you going to beat that? Nor do I it care. always got to be a competition? Nor do I care, exactly. I'm not, I don't hunt as a competition at all. In fact, when people, oh, I'm going to make a bet, let's do these bets. Like, I'm not betting on hunting. I go hunting to have fun and I'm just not into it. Like The challenge. It's just you and God and the animal, you know? And it's just the challenge of it and, and that, I mean, like, the buck that I shot today, um, when we'd seen a couple pretty good ones, not a lot, but a couple pretty good ones, and I don't know, just something about the way that he handled his herd and, and kept the other bucks off and, and everything else. I just connected with him, and it was time. But yeah, the antelope hunt was a great time. Um, it's one thing Wyoming has is a ton of them things. A ton of antelope. We saw a lot of antelope, and we had a great time. So it's, it's neat to see the progression, right, from beginner you know, little kid going with grandpa or going with moms, going to ladies hunting camp just to learn. And it, you know, this isn't a hobby. We've talked about that before. This isn't, I mean, this is a lifestyle. This is, this is, I mean, I am an elk hunter. I'm a father. I'm a husband, right? Those are not mutually exclusive, I guess. You can't pull one piece of me out and say, oh, we're going to get rid of the other two. That's just, it's not who I am. And I know it's not who Randy is, right? And once you get into this brotherhood i mean for lack of a better word you don't have to be a guy it's it's a group of what can i do to help you and you know that's the nice thing with ladies especially at the ladies camp stuff they are not afraid to ask questions where guys have a tendency to not want to ask a question most guys anyway i mean we have this image or whatever it is we've got to i got up here to know it know it all (laughs) yeah and so it's that's what I love about it. The, the ladies are just, they just ask anything. It's like, cool. That's the way it should be. And I wish the, you know, the guys could do that because it would help them in the long run, you know, but I'm as bad as anybody, I'm sure. Oh, if, if you could have talked to me 15 years ago into hunting the way I do now, then 
do you know how many more, how much more successful I would have been? Because right. I used to just go running across the woods. I mean, and you couldn't have told me any different because I knew it all. Yeah. Yeah. You never stop learning. You know, if you stop learning, you might as well quit because... I've said that several times, you know, as, as an elk hunter, the elk always have something to teach you. Now, whether you exactly. learn it or not is up to you. Right, right. That's right. No, it's, you know, I can tell everybody there's so many good elk callers out there nowadays. I mean, we have some great calls and different things and incredible callers, but there's not a lot of good elk killers. You know, I mean, you got to know when to do what at the right times. It's just how it works, you know. And still got to play the wind, still got to know the terrain. And, exactly. and you got to know what to say and when. And you just got to, you know, you can only learn that from screwing up. Oh, I, I screwed up more this week than, than I care to admit, but we've had... We had lots of bulls screaming, lots of opportunity, and that's good. We're 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 gonna we're gonna get back in the woods and get at it here shortly. But I'm glad that we're we're here checking all this out. I want to talk about uh, one of our sponsors real quick. You know, talking about you know the fisherman or the hunter that just wants to get more and more and more. We'll uh, we'll segue into PK Lures, which is one of our sponsors, and they're a little startup Wyoming lure company here that's now grown quite big and they sponsor us and we're appreciative of it cool. but if you're the fisherman that wants to get your first fish or a lot of fish or a big fish or wants to help somebody get a fish pk lure has a, a, a lure for you so check them out at pklure.com and i'll back into just the hunting theme and, and the family theme and the atmosphere that's kind of how you guys i see play off each other right it's the, the old soldier here that's done it and then candy that's come in but come from a, a you know your your ranching farming background that that's what you just had to hear that was just the way it is but to see you guys bring in these people who you know and reach out to people who don't have the knowledge and experience but are willing to learn is is neat to see these camps starting to really because people are craving <laughs> this knowledge right they're right yeah. And once they come either to a camp like that or, you know, you, you mentioned it, we've got all this info now. When, when I first started, I mean, North American Hunter put out a book called Elk Talk. We didn't have anything on it. We didn't, there wasn't even YouTube when I started, right? Right, right. And I'm, I'm significantly shorter in the tooth than you are, right? So yeah, yeah. Not, not trying to pick on you, but. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> but even if I can remember back to, you know, we just had to kind of figure this out. Just, oh, yeah. When I first started, you know, elk hunting and calling, talking to elk, I made beagles out of these little whistle tube things i could slide them up and down and make this sound it sounds kind of like an elk and there was no such thing as elk calls you know nobody had an elk call we just made our own little things and it worked you know um it certainly got a lot better it's gotten to be big business now and it's <laughs> it's getting a little uh oh i don't know clicky as far as do you drive a ford or a dodge well i i don't hang out with guys that drive dodges you get out of our camp it's like you know <laughs> i'm pretty sure i can take a i i actually have a, a antelope horn elk call and uh, uh -huh. I've, I, it's killed a couple nice bulls it's just a solid reed cut out of a tip of yeah, an antelope yeah. horn my uh, father-in-law had a uh, custom call maker make it for me but you don't have to get fancy and get the brand name this or whatever you know you can you can start out pretty simple oh yeah i mean a, a couple cow calls in the right meadow is all you need or you know even then sitting on the right wallow just sitting patiently oh yeah there's lots of ways to harvest them that's for sure you know you got multiple options and see what works for you there's definitely you know whether you're chasing <clears throat> any one of these species there's a little bit of prep and and thought that goes into a hunt right and can you break me down into you know kind of your different prep of let's say an antelope hunt and an elk hunt i mean you've got the just the the pounds of protein on the ground difference but you also have the the terrain difference so you know candy if you want to give me what you'd set up for an antelope hunt and then randy you can give me what you'd set up for an elk hunt and some of the things to think about before you leave the house sure so the antelope hunt was obviously more desert terrain um and not near as steep you know still lots of miles i think the the biggest thing on the antelope hunt is you got to find the animals we do on all of them, but you're going to have to cover some miles. What we found was that most of the water holes that showed on the Onyx maps were not didn't have water this year. And so you're going to have to really travel and do your research and 
Um, and we were sitting at a like 50% snowpack halfway through the year. So it was a, yeah. it was a dry year, but you did yeah. mention Onyx and that's a, that's a tip. If nobody, if you're new to this, just yes. take that, write that down right now and go, yeah. go look on the internet what Onyx is. But and you should always you. have your Onyx on always. So, and I, not as good as he is. He has his on all the time and it's perfect because it can tell you where public land is. It can tell you where private land is. It can tell you the terrain. Tell you if you're in the right unit. Exactly. (laughs) Well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully you don't do that one. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that, that was the biggest difference there is, is mostly the terrain and it's just a different style. You're going to have to put some miles on whether it's in your buggy, whether it's on foot, whether it's in the truck to locate the animals. And then, and then you're going to have to put the, and the antelope were beginning to get in the rut. And so it was a little chaotic at times when you had three or four bucks fighting over a herd. It was kind of fun to watch. It's hard to get a shot when they very, were still. Very, very hard. Yeah. So. Look like um, cutting horses. Yeah. That's what I kept saying was, wow, that buck is like a really good cutting horse. <laughs> so I, I would say that was the biggest difference. But yeah. As far as prepping for it, I mean, just. Obviously, they're not as big and heavy as an elk, and so, you know, you don't, it's not that hard to pack them out of there. Um, back in there, once again, you know, we bone or put our stuff out, out there in the woods normally. These were close enough that we could get a vehicle within four or 500 yards, and so I just packed them out whole and cleaned them up back at camp. So, depends on where you're at, you know. Elk, I just rarely, rarely have that opportunity. Never. I don't think I've ever seen that. <laughs> <laughs> but for elk, you know, I mean, and once again, it don't matter if you're antelope hunting or elk hunting or whatever, you need to prep, practice with whatever you're going to be using. It's a rifle or bow or whatever type of That's that back to that confidence Yeah, piece. I mean, you got to know that your stuff is working properly. What are your limitations and don't yeah. go beyond them. Yeah, so learn your stuff, you know, um... Obviously, if you're going to be in elk country, if you want to be more successful, you're going to have to get in some sort of shape. I mean, it's just not easy. You know, where we were hunting, it's just straight up, straight down. There just was no diff- option besides that. Yeah, I you mean, know, so we'd leave in the bottom ranch. And, you, you, if you're hunting public land, which is where the elk live, I right. mean, you you yeah. you, you got to go where the elk live, and it's not. It's, it's not, not all easy. straight up, straight down, but it's most of it is. I mean, you this know, was. Just, it's all, you know, elk hunting is, it's not easy normally. And once you get this big critter down, you know, you need to be prepared to take care of it. You better learn how to, you know, debone an elk or quarter it up and, you know, how to put it on your back and carry a quarter out at a time. You need to keep the meat cool while it's out there in the woods until you get it back to camp where you keep it cool again. And I mean, just take care of your stuff. You know, I mean, it's real important you spend all your time and effort and that meat is incredible so don't waste it i'm really big on that i just i like to get every bit out of it i can and pick the bones apart and i take all the good meat on there there is that's for sure well i i I thank you guys for you know giving giving some listeners some some places to at least start get, getting some knowledge, right? YouTube, how to cut up an elk and YouTube or, you know, just there's forms or ask questions. What yeah. game bags do you use? What knife do you use? You know, mm-hmm. these are basic questions that, you know, you and I, we all just take for granted, sometimes. take for granted and throw my hunting bag back together and putting this in and I go, well, I need my knife and my game bags and I need a little paracord and I need X and Y and Z and away I go. Yeah. And well, why? And you do need to justify why are you carrying all this stuff? Why do I have Onyx on my phone? Why do I have all 50 states on it? Because, well, I'm going to be hunting whitetail in one state, and I went and hunted mule deer in a different, and last year I was hunting dull sheep in Alaska, and, you know, by the time you get there, it's that Onyx is, I, how did we hunt without it before? Well, it sure makes it nice. It, you know, I mean, we did it, and I still live by my maps. I still have paper maps you know, topo maps in my pockets because I can have a bigger picture of it and then I can go to my Onyx. And so I work between them. I always have a little map in my pocket. <laughs> and I, I started with the map and compass, but I've uh, I quickly transitioned to, I I don't pack the GPS anymore. I don't pack paper maps. I, I mean, pack I, my paper maps, but I don't, yeah, my GPS is my phone, but run airplane mode and go. 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, I put way too many pins. Don't go stealing my Onyx maps and look at where my spots are, guys. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but it, it has opened up, you know, back in the day, you used to have to study a map to find, you know, access to maybe little square miles of state ground. And now it's... <laughs> Big blaring outlined on Onyx says go here and it's a little bit, you know, when when, when I'm finding people in spots that you just didn't find people in before because it used right. to take hours of research on yeah, a map knowledge, to go, yeah. hey, look, you can go from here to here. So, right, right. Head across that, yeah. But that's, we, we spoke a little bit earlier about, you know, uh, this summer doing a little bit of bow spider work. I had a couple handicapped people buy our product or get our product and it was really neat to see because i didn't start the company or product with them in mind not that it was unintentional or intentional i just wanted something to carry my bow for me i'm being a little selfish here but it was really cool and really neat to see these you know adaptive archers take on bow spider and be like this really solves a problem that i have as a bow hunter when i'm you know, you got to use their hands, yeah. got to use their hands for something else, whether it's a chair or hiking or walking. And now it's, so it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, we've put them on tracked wheelchairs. We've put them on regular wheelchairs. We've put them on, you know, guys missing limbs. We've put them on headrests of trucks for, it's just, it's cool to see. And so we do got to plug, you know, both spiders, uh, it's a little uh, yeah. self-service. They are, they are sponsoring our podcast, super cool. but we're going to keep doing some of that kind of stuff. And, Hopefully, I don't. I don't have any ambitions of starting a bow, hunt, bow spider hunting camp, but maybe we could help you guys with yours a little bit. <laughs> oh, we love it. We'd love to have yeah, you come oh, too. It's a. I kudos for doing it because it's. I know there's a lot of there's a lot of behind the scenes, a lot of late nights to get prepped and ready for, you know, just from the outfitting side of you know you got hunters coming to camp and all the things that have to get done before they come, yeah. and and they're they're paying thousands of dollars most cases to come hunt elk for a week. These these ladies are not getting charged thousands of dollars to come to ladies camp for a week. So I know there's a lot of lot of love and a lot of volunteer that goes behind it. Oh so. yeah, it is. It's been great. You know, like I say we got the four camps. The two there's going to be two camps are just the regular camps were the basics, but then they'll have that advanced long range rifle camp up with Weatherby's and Sheridan and then and the other one's a youth youth and self-defense you doing that or no we're just well this year we're just going to do the long range <coughs> rifle um and advanced rifle okay. last year we did um self-defense we did advanced yeah, pistol sure. and then self-defense and then self-defense with a pistol with cert guns and that was totally amazing well when you do archery i'll uh, i'll volunteer to come help that would be awesome. If somebody wanted to get a hold or, I mean, maybe donate or support, how do they, what, what do, who, who do they need to get a hold of and how do they get a hold of them? Yeah, so you can just, um, the website is justladieshunting.com and that's probably the easiest way to shoot me an email and then I will contact you right back. Um, or it, that's probably the easiest. If I give you the email address, it probably won't go over. So justladieshunting.com. And I mean, it, it's kind of the name says it, ladies hunting camp. It's it's an all inclusive how to pitch a tent, how to skin an animal, oh, how to start a fire, how to, you know, and these are things 200 years ago, we didn't have to learn because yeah. everybody lived in a tent, you know what I mean? At least yeah. out here. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, um, it's a good, it's a, it's a fun time. Yeah. But I, like I say, yeah, check it out on the website and want to get involved and candy a message for sure i'll tag them on social media exactly you know. we're on instagram and facebook so just ladies hunting camp perfect well i'm gonna make sure that we get the rest of it covered and i think uh, i, I want to thank you guys for coming you know it's been uh it's been exciting to have you here we're gonna have to go uh eat a little bit of i'm sure it's something wild game you know the wife's in there cooking with some high mountain seasoning so <laughs> perfect hans uh, with high mountain seasoning has been really really good with us and uh, you know that's a that's a long-standing company that has a great record and they have some great products I yeah mean, they do no they do when we're packing and hunting and i'm not going to say that just because i'm sitting here with you but i don't go buy any of the packaged stuff i make it all myself and all the seasoning that i use is high mountain seasoning Dehydrated. from the meat to the tomatoes to the watermelon whatever we take it all in ourselves and that's it's good and healthy and it's 
I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go through their whole lineup, but whether you're a fisher or a big game hunter or just a weekend barbecuer, I mean, they have something for everybody for every dish and they're they're a good usa made company so that's why you know when patrick and i started the podcast i really didn't want to be commercializing it and just trying to get any and every sponsor i was like no let's get let's get sponsors that are you know companies we want to work with companies and products we believe in exactly and that's just it's it's part of that whole atmosphere of that's kind of what we've done at ladies camp too you know we like have quality people that work with the work with us and the sponsorships and stuff and it's been great you know because we have Leupold and Weatherby and Benchmade Knife Company and Traeger Grills and um, you know folks like the Onyx and they believe in what we're doing what we do one of the things that I always tell them is if they sponsor even on a lower level if they have someone that works in their company that doesn't hunt for instance the first time that we asked Leopold to attend the camp I said just send someone if they don't know how to hunt she goes oh my gosh I have this lady that just doesn't understand it and it's really hard for her to understand why we make the products the way we do because she's never hunted so I said send her free of charge just send her and boom they were in because now she's an avid hunter and Weatherby did the same, and, and lots of them have done the same. Onyx did the same. They sent three ladies two years ago, three years ago. I can't remember because COVID kind of messed that up. But <laughs> COVID messed a lot of things up. But the the thing to, I mean, we, we kind of touched on this, but to really put it in perspective is hunting is a dying tradition. If yes. we don't start passing it on, if we don't really show people, because we are the minority. If the majority tomorrow decided that we weren't going to do this anymore on this continent, it would be gone. But it's like we talked about. I mean, and we can we can go through the science and the data and or the emotional lifestyle, but it it all boils down to this activity is is beyond. It's not a hobby. It's not a sport. I mean, it's a way of life. It is exactly. Mm-hmm. And so we definitely need to promote it, and you know preserve it and protect it and i i'm glad to see you guys are taking you know a lifetime of experience and kind of just disseminating it into a consumable product in ladies hunting camp right that's that's what it is and kind of passing the tradition on of why do we do this you know you just touched on well somebody doesn't understand that why they're doing what they're doing and and why these sportsmen are willing to spend hard-earned dollars on a good usa made product well you know, I, I could tell you, yeah, this was told to me a long, long time ago by an old rancher in eastern Oregon. And uh, I showed up without any binoculars for my very first bow hunt. I was 14, Randy. <laughs> uh, I had a PSE Nova Junior with a single composite limbs and aircraft cable for strings, right? That's just the way they made them back then. Little, little tiny yeah. round wheel bow. And I didn't have any binoculars, and he told me, <laughs> gruff old rancher, he said, uh, you know, if you're a rifle hunter without a pair of binoculars, you're half a hunter. If you're a bow hunter without a pair of binoculars, you're not really a hunter at all. <laughs> <laughs> he just and that's burst true. your bubble, right? He burst my bubble. And like, I mean, my bow had a max of, I think I had a 30-yard pin was my bottom pin. My, my yeah, top one was 10 and 20. <laughs> and there was significant arc from when I shot to the bale at 30. And right, right. it didn't stick very far <laughs> in the bale. And I don't think I had a whole lot of success. But those initial trips, bow hunting over there East Oregon for a week, just sleeping out in the stars and getting up and watching sunrises and seeing animals up close, I, I, can't, I can't replace that. And I can't put it into words to describe how instrumental and impactful it was on a young man right right because yeah. i was i was raised pretty urban let's i'm not gonna lie and i'm not gonna sugarcoat it now i'm not urban anymore not even close but but like you touched on there um as far as it doesn't even it's not even about the hunt we have one little gal and i've known her forever brooke smith she's amazing um and she came to ladies hunting camp this first or second year she worked for Les Schwab's and drove the trucks and the very first year she had to I didn't even notice because I was so busy checking ladies in and getting them going there was about four or five ladies that came that were pulling trailers and they didn't know how to back them up so she taught them and every year since then she's come back and she teaches it how to back your trailer class but she has 
hunted the same as I did basically on a ranch, um, hasn't had a ton of success. And she started a blog the very first year that's called More Than a Hunt. I think that's the name of it. I hope I'm not messing that up. That lady is so amazing. She'd never shot archery and she learned archery um, the first year at ladies hunting camp. And the next year, what was the one she won? She won a national championship for the archery challenge, total archery challenge. I mean, she's an amazing woman, but in her blog, it talks about, you know, she went elk hunting for two weeks and she saw one elk and was not within range. But every day she talked about everything that she saw, the sunrise, you know, I think I have probably 5 million pictures of sunrises because they're all, you know, they're all inspiring. They're gorgeous. And I posted one on Bo Spider's Instagram this week because it was just, <laughs> oh, yeah. you can't, and, and the photos can't still not. don't do it justice. Yeah, the photos no, you can't. But it's the little things you see all day long. And, and her blog is amazing. So check it out. Um, Brooke Smith, more than a hunt. And, but I think that's it. And I think that's why the women are going crazy. It's not just about the harvest. That's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal. And and if you were to invite me camping and say, we're going to go hike a peak and, and take a picture, I'm, I'm mildly intrigued if, if it's off season and, and I'm caught up. Sure. Right. But if you're going to invite me to camp, right. And stick a tag in my pocket, even if it's a unit that has almost no chance of success, I'll hike that same trail, camp in that same spot, hike to the same peak, take the same picture of whatever we were going to take. And then I'm going to stand there and look around and actually immerse myself in nature instead of turn back and go back to camp and we're done. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, there's a deeper level of connection with nature versus Hey, why don't you come camping for the week? It's a hunting camp and camping are, are two different things. And yeah. it's not, you, you were just getting to the point of, it's not about the, the the harvest. Right. Now at the core, it is. I mean, we, we all want the meat and we all want to, but I don't, it, it, I mean, my barometer again, how full is the freezer? I'm still going to go. I'm still going to have fun. If the freezer's empty, well, we better be working <laughs> on filling it. If the freezer's full, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy that that small herd with that small little satellite and, you know, we'll wait for a different one. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Good times. All right, Randy and Candy. I think that's been a, it's really been I'm glad you took the time out of your hunt to come come by and share ladies hunting camp and share your experience here in Wyoming. And I hope you come back soon. Absolutely. That's for sure. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.